Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages, you'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. Where is he? I don't know. He just went outside. He's going to go and check on his car. There's a massive storm out there. What, he hasn't come back? No, he hasn't come back. We've lost Alan. Oh no, we need Alan. Alan! Alan! Oh, fucking hell, Alan, are you alright? <laughs> oh, bit of a storm out there, was there? A little bit damp out there. Are you alright, mate? Fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, dear. He's back to himself again. Bit rainy out there by the looks of you, Alan. Dear, oh dear, hope you're alright. I thought you might be in a better mood today. Yeah. Why? Yeah, because I thought he might be happy about the amount of downloads we've been having, Lucy. Oh, he don't give a shit, does no, he? Don't give a shit, does he? All he can't worry about is his stupid car in the driveway. Yeah, he's worried about hail damage and getting home. Yeah, so we can have a beer. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, yeah here but, we are again, Lucy Lou. Yeah, let's talk about those downloads. Yeah, so we've had thousands. Yeah, over two thousand, I think. So with the feedback has been amazing so far. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm uh, overwhelmed really by it. Um, I think a lot of it's down to you, Vic. You've been sharing it on your platforms, which is really, really good. I think it's all down to you, Lucy. Oh, da- oh well, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're so good to each other. But um, no, I mean, it ha- we've had some amazing responses actually, which have been really yeah. heartening and yes. lovely to read. It makes it all worthwhile. I had one message from a lady this week who said she had to stop on the beach because she was laughing with joy and sadness she was happy because it was funny and it brightened her day and she felt to such connection with us and that it, she was pleased that there are people out there just like her and that's exactly why we do yeah, this it isn't is. it Lucy yeah it is exactly why and didn't you get that one where you were, your heart sank because you thought you were going to get a complaint because oh, yeah. someone, <laughs> someone was someone moaning on Instagram about says I'm really angry with you I was like oh my god what have I done what now? have I done this yeah. time <laughs> And she said, I'm really angry with you for only making three podcasts so far. When's the fourth one coming out? So there's been loads of that this week. So we're really excited. And also we've um, proudly in association with Hello Sunday Morning this week, we've connected up with them. I've got a good relationship with them. They're a sort of um, company in Australia that help people with their relationship with alcohol. So for more on Hello Sunday Morning, um, go to their website, which is hellosundaymorning.org. They have an amazing app called the Daybreak app, which anyone struggling with their alcohol can can download. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. So we're pleased to be in association with Hello Sunday Morning from now on. Yeah, and we particularly like them because they offer everything for free like we do as well. So yep. purely out there to help people. Yeah, and they're government funded as well. So yeah, definitely on the same level as us, Lucy. We're 
appreciate that free help. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and that's what got me through. I found some free help, and, yeah. and that got, that's what got me sober, really. Yeah, but, so it, it yeah, feels I, good to give no, back. But I forgot to tell you, I've got a bill for you, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you didn't even pay for my dinner earlier. There no, I was waiting, yeah. and then you asked me for twenty dollar note. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't. <laughs> sorry about that. I didn't think you'd notice. I actually paid for the whole thing. Anyway. Aww. Well, look, we um, we were actually talking about sort of funny, not funny drinking stories, weren't we, while we were having dinner earlier? We were, because and... I to- was telling Lucy about, I was talking to a mate of mine in England and uh, we were talking about a time when I had gone out um, dressed as a underwater Bond girl to a party. It was a Bond-themed party. I wore a wetsuit with, uh, you know, with snorkel and mask and a dagger like sellotaped on my leg. I can see leg. it now already. And everyone, I think all the it other girls me. were dressed up as like Bond girls, <laughs> looking really beautiful. And I turned up like this kind of like frogman. Did you have flippers on? <laughs> yeah, I had flippers on and everything. That would have yeah. been hard after a few yeah. drinks. Everybody else looked gorgeous. I mean, I was raving on a stage in in the snorkel at some point in the evening. That was kind of like when I came out of a blackout. Funny, not funny. Funny, not funny. And so me and my friend were talking about it, and I was laughing and saying, "Oh, do you remember when we went out?" And I was on that nightclub stage in a. Fr- in flippers and a and a you know a snorkel mask, and I said, oh yeah, I, I remember going into a blackout and then sort of coming to as somebody in an apartment that I was trying to get into where I'd forgotten where the house party was was pouring a bucket of water over my head and that's sort of where I popped out of my blackout and went oh my god where am I and then went back into a blackout and didn't realise where I'd been until I got the photos back like three weeks later, which obviously I had to go to Snappy Snaps yes. in those days. <laughs> They to send have, off yeah. your reel of film, oh, old yes. school. Yeah, and I remember getting the photos back, Lucy, and thinking, "God, I, d- I couldn't really remember what happened that night." And going, "Oh my God!" And looking at them, and there's a photo of me standing on a street, soaking wet because of the bucket of water, and I'm standing with a policeman, and he has a clenched fist, like he wants <laughs> to punch me, <laughs> and I have absolutely no recollection of it whatsoever. So uh, what I reminded me, that's why I was laughing about it. But then I actually had a moment of sobriety, clarity, where I went, actually, is that story funny? Like, is it funny that I was outside someone's house, rapping on the door, waking everybody up and them hating me so much that they poured water on my head? And I remember always those nights started off with me being pretending to be a good drinker so that I would have good intentions and I would promise myself that I would be going out for one and end up in situations like that. And that's so often the way, isn't it? And I mean, the reality is that you were probably a few minutes away and a few actions away from getting arrested that night. Absolutely. I not was. funny. Not funny. Definitely funny. Funny, not funny. Nah, just funny, not, not funny. funny. No, I was definitely probably, I may have even been arrested, Lucy, to be honest. I don't remember. <laughs> the policeman was looking pretty angry with me and his fist was clenched. But I'm sure at the time it was funny. Everyone was laughing and you were sort of the one making everybody laugh. And, you know, it just yeah. that was the way it was. But it is isn't really all that cool, is it? And yeah, you did go out with your wetsuit and your, <laughs> your mask and snorkel and yeah. your flippers, trying to be perfectly normal and have just one drink. Mm. But clearly that didn't happen that night and it never really did happen at all for no. you or I, did it? No. We're not one drink people. We just couldn't do it. So that's um, what we're talking about today. It's We're talking about, we're calling it the moderation pixie, aren't we, Lucy? Yeah, and that will make sense. Good intentions that don't last. (laughs) 
Look, I'm guessing most people who have found this podcast, or however many thousands of them, yeah, <laughs> are like us, Vic. People that once they start have massive issues locating the stop button. We're the ones that mean to stay for a couple and end up staggering around the town at 3am with a Savaloy in our top pocket. We never meant to get that pissed, but we always, without fail, did. So why are some people programmed to keep going and others can stop? Is it trauma-related, science-based, or just that our inhibitions have been soaked up by that first drink? Are some people more prone to heavy drinking than others? And why are we so mean to ourselves every time we fail? I'm not sure. I don't know why we both failed at moderation for years, Lucy. Why were we such reliable over-drinkers? Was moderation a total myth for us? Or is there something in our brains that makes us this way? In this podcast, we're going to tell you about our epic failures to moderate, how they made us feel, the methods we used to try to be sensible drinkers. We've even done a bit of research and share some science. We got our Encyclopedias out, didn't we, Lucy? Our Encyclopedia Britannicas did some science. The volumes, volumes, yes, the booze volumes. (laughs) Did some science research around moderation, which will help you understand that some people are more prone to overdrink than others. But most importantly, we'll talk about how our failed attempts at moderation were actually motivating us to get sober. And once the penny finally dropped, we realised that moderation was a complete myth for us. Everything changed. Keep listening as you'll see that failing a moderation doesn't have to be a bad thing. It might be the beginning of something brilliant. So join us as we delve a little deeper or a lot deeper into the reasons why good intentions get elbowed out the way after just one drink and why everything in moderation does not include booze. Well, not for us anyway, and probably not for you if you're listening. (laughs) We hope that our own experiences with failing at moderation might mean your experience doesn't have to be so long and painful. (laughs) So... We've got some really good talking points. In fact, we've got way too many. We're going to have to try really hard to fit everything into our podcast this evening. Cause... I mean, we do like to chat, Lucy and I, don't we? <laughs> we could go on about this stuff forever. We I do, do find it fascinating, yeah. though, all the reasons why we are who we are. And I actually find it even more fascinating that by talking to one another about it, we're helping people. Yeah, and we're learning ourselves as yeah. well. It's like a, it's part of our journey, this podcast as well, because we, we are definitely learning. I mean, looking up things, scientific facts about moderation and stuff, it... I do find it very, very interesting. Mm, yeah. And I, I mean, funnily enough, actually, because the first thing we're going to talk about is like what moderation looked like for both of us or, yeah. or what our attempts of moderation looked what was like it? for us. What was it for you, Lucy? What was your attempts at moderation? How how did that go? <laughs> not well. Yeah, <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> okay, 25 years drinking and realistically probably about 15 to 20 years trying to moderate. Long bloody time trying to do something and failing all the time. Um, and I think when I was talking in the introduction, then I, I referenced the stop button. And I always, that, that is what it is for me. I was I was born without my stop button. Um, you know, I, I was just missing it because I do not know how to stop when I get started. And I bet that lots of people listening will resonate with that. Um, to me, and I know you're the same, Fix. We were just talking about it earlier. I don't. I, I've got every right intention. When I haven't had a drink, my my brain is is thinking all the right things. My intentions are really good. It takes one drink for everything to change in my head. 
Um, and it's it's crazy how differently you can think in that short time that it takes to drink one drink. Um, <clears throat> we actually, funnily enough, because I do read my Quitlet, that's what it's called, isn't it, Vic? Quit Literature, yeah. Yeah, which is all the sobriety books. And I'm actually reading Alcohol Explained at the moment by William Porter. Last night, in fact, I was reading a chapter, just opening the book now, which is called I'd Rather Have No Drinks Than Just One or Two, which is just incredible that I was reading that the night before we're going to do this podcast. But basically, um, to to, to make short of what he says, because if you've got a science mind, you'll love this book because it tells you what alcohol does to you. It puts you off it for life. So it's a good book to have and keep referencing. Yeah, maybe we could reference the book I read last night. Where is the green sheep? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that would help? That might help if it was green, but they drunk too much. Yeah, they're sick, yeah, and passed out. <laughs> passed out behind the bush. Yeah, thanks for that. Anyway, yeah. that's really going to help us. At least we now know what you read last night. Yeah. Sort of the level of my brain at that time of night with the children. <laughs> and that was without a drink. Yeah, that was without the children. <laughs> but anyway, can I go back? I've Sorry, just, Lucy. I, did this, I, I was just amazed that I was reading this chapter. No word of a lie. Reading this chapter last night about moderation in this book. And basically what he's saying is that when you have um, a drink, your brain acts in a certain way and it causes you to feel anxiety. So once you've had your one drink or your two drinks when you plan to stop... You actually don't go when the alcohol wears off, you don't go back to feeling like you did before you had the drinks. You actually feel slightly anxious and slightly depressed. And because you feel like that, you want to carry on drinking. And that is why it is so difficult to stop drinking after one or two because you're kind of, I don't like the way I feel now, so I'm going to carry on drinking. I just wanted to throw that one in because I'm like, yeah, yes, it's fascinating, yeah, isn't that it? That was part of my moderation. I mean, there's so many theories behind the reasons why we are, like, why we are rubbish drinkers. I mean, why we carry on doing something we hate for so long. There's got to be so many reasons behind it, haven't there? Yeah, there are. There's so many. And I mean, just reading that was interesting. And I know you've got some other bits as well that are quite interesting. Um, But there was just one other thing that I wanted to add to that. And that was, um, you know, I always remember when I was trying to moderate, I was so desperate to do it. If there was one wish, one wish I could have in my whole life it would have been to be able to moderate. That is what I wanted more than anything in the world, to moderate with alcohol. So it was like a dream. It was like a daydream, really. It was a dream, and I tried for it, and I couldn't get it. But if you gave me one wish, it would have been that. And what about now, Lucy? Now you're seven months sober nearly. I mean, do you still wish one day you could be a moderate drinker? I would love to be, yeah. I'd love to be, but I know, I absolutely know 100% I couldn't be. And that knowing, I guess, is enough, isn't it? Because you get to know your behaviour. You know yourself by now. Mm. You know yourself after 26 years of binge drinking that that behaviour is just so repetitive and boring, as we talked about in the last podcast. You know that behaviour and you're just going to be kidding yourself if you think that's going to happen one day. I've got no intentions of trying to attempt that ever again in my life. Because that's what you've been doing for years. Yeah, what's the point? What's the point? But what about you? What about you? Tell us about your moderation and how wonderful you were at it. Yeah, (laughs) I was amazing. One drink on the bus on the way home, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. (laughs) I call it the moderation pixie because I... I felt like when I was drinking that there was almost like an outside force that was making me drink more. It was almost like a horrible little pixie cackling on my shoulder going, go on, you know you're going to do it anyway. Come on, join the party, have some fun. You can't moderate, you can't moderate. 
So I, I would find myself at the beginning of an evening trying to ignore the pixie that was on my shoulder and trying to pretend to be a good drinker. So I'd sit with my first glass of wine, take a sip, you know, with my pinky finger sticking out, looking all sophisticated, like something out of a The Great Gatsby or something. <laughs> Although I probably didn't look like that. I'm sure you pulled it yeah. off wonderfully. I think if you poke your finger out, it means you look like something out of The Great Gatsby. <laughs> I don't know where you heard that, but no. yeah, okay, all That's right. That's how I felt. <laughs> and I just thought, right, look at me now, look at me, everybody. I can drink this drink, this one drink, very, very slowly. Look how good I am at moderating. But after that second drink, after that first drink, rather, I was leaning into what the pixie had to say. And the pixie would be saying, come on, you know you want another one. Don't be boring. Enjoy yourself. You you deserve another drink. So I would start leaning into him like, what's the pixie going to tell me? And by the end of the night, the pixie was my best mate. Yeah, like yeah. everybody in the room. Yeah, I was doing the conga <laughs> with him. <laughs> He sounds like a right old bastard. Yeah, no, it was a good laugh, actually. <laughs> he was the one who got you in all the trouble. Yeah, he was. He was having the time of his life. Yeah, I, you I quite liked the pixie. Nothing I mean, more amusing I, than watching it, someone else make a yeah, fool of himself. The pixie was sat on a horrible little podium pointing and laughing at me by the end of the night. <laughs> Dance harder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> say it again. Say it again. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, I didn't like the pixie the next day. I can tell you that. I felt pretty awful. So what what I'm saying is that I, my moderation was having one drink and then getting the bottle and mm. then getting the other bottle and then just going into every other night. So it was hard. I think I was trying to prove to myself that I could moderate during that very short period of having that one glass, but then I never, ever did. Having that first drink meant I carried on. So I think in my brain, every time I went out, I was like, yeah, everything in moderation. That always comes up, doesn't it? Everything in moderation. Mm. So I thought I can be that person. Everything in moderation, I deserve to have a few drinks. Yes. But of course, that wasn't that the case. That wasn't the case. And no. I mean, you just said something about, you know, when in the time it takes to have that first drink. And I think that's really important here because it is quite incredible how everything can change mm. in the time it takes to drink a glass of wine or a beer. Gosh, I mean, how yeah. can you change so massively? And when I have never done heroin, I will just put that out there, disclaimer, I've never done heroin. But I've obviously seen people take it on on shows and on movies and things. And I often would liken that to how I felt after I had just one drink. It just was such a massive release. I could almost feel the alcohol running through my body and making everything feel a million times better just from that one drink. It's such a powerful drink and it yeah. changes everything. And if you're like us, you really can have brilliant intentions one drink, what happens in that time is quite incredible and it changes everything. And that's where the problem starts when it comes to finding the stop button and the moderation as well. It reminds me of those water towers. You know the water towers you used to watch on TV getting exploded? Do you ever used to watch that, like the crumbling of these? Oh, yeah, It was yeah. always on Blue Peter yeah. or something. <laughs> I used to like, be up and solid like those water towers at the beginning of the yeah. evening. After that one drink, it was like I had been exploded. That is the difference. It was like everything had crumbled and I was like my elbow was being twisted in every direction. I was like, yeah, let's go up to the bar why have another drink let's get the bottle and a round of shots yeah there was nothing in between it was like i'm either going to do this or i'm not i'll have one drink 
now I'm in, let's yeah. party. And that's it. And it's just all over, just like that, isn't yeah. it? But I mean, we do sound pretty weak here. Because yeah, we, we are weak. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we go out and we're absolutely useless at moderating, can't handle just one drink, have to have the bottle. But we do try bloody hard, didn't yeah. we? And yeah. we, we? We had methods that we tried yes. to moderate. And I think probably people listening are probably trying those methods right now if they're trying to stop. So we thought we'd share with you some of the ways we've tried to moderate um, in the past. None of them worked. None of them worked, no. <laughs> but we're going to let you know what they were anyway. Want to go first? Yeah, so I tried water between wines to slow down. That was my way oh, of... Oh, that old chestnut. Oh, yeah, that old beauty. <laughs> that old load of old bullshit. Until you got too pissed and you were drinking a wine in between the wine. Yeah. Because... <laughs> yeah. Or a shot in between yeah. the wines. Water? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous, really, because actually I saw probably you know, um, drank a lot of water, which actually made me feel sick. And I used to smoke a lot of cigarettes as well when Mm, I was drinking. So a lot of water, a lot of wine, a lot of cigarettes, I was always vomiting, but then I would carry on. So it didn't make any difference how much liquid I was drinking because it was never (laughs) going to make me better the next day because I'd always already vomited it all up anyway. So, I mean, it was never going to work. No, you, you were on to a losing Yeah, I losing just went to the toilet street, more. Yeah, that was it. Well, you went to the toilet via the bar more. Yeah, yeah, that was it. It was like a circle. I went. Yeah. So that one doesn't really work, does a it? A well-trodden path. Like yeah. I, I also tried sipping instead of necking, which, I mean, my ex-boyfriend used to call me the gulper. Yeah, my dad calls me that. Okay. How funny. No my dad way. calls me a gulper. Not so much with, with um, alcohol, but with any... With any drink. With any drink. I love like a good gulp. So do you gulp orange squash as well? I gulp anything. I gulp oh, anything as well. I'm Maybe a gulper. That, well, funny. <laughs> oh, my God. A fellow gulper. A fellow gulper. But we're actually next next podcast we're actually going to talk about traits of the heavy drinkers yes and so maybe a gulp a big gulper could be included in that I'm really thirsty like if I've got thirst on I'm going to gulp it down and it was the same with alcohol it didn't make any difference that drink was going down the hatch Mm. especially if it felt like I'd really deserved it I mean a a, a beer didn't last very long in the glass I can tell you that so sipping instead of necking never worked because I was I was really into it I wanted to get to the next drink so it never hit the spot I was always the gulper and I just wanted to get that drink down. So even though I attempted it, it lasted probably one sip. Um, Also, I tried being mindful of my first glass, which we've already talked about, pretending to be a normal drinker. So I was just trying to trick everybody that actually I could, I could, you know, moderate when, of course, I couldn't. Um, Timing drinks was another one I did, not before 6 a.m. Sorry, 6 p.m., not on on Wednesdays, not on Tuesdays, you know, anything that made me look like I was trying. Um, But I always wanted more. It never worked. What about you? (laughs) At least you gave it a go. I gave it a go. I pretended for as long as I could. (laughs) But looking back, don't you think, God, you were getting nowhere close? I was getting nowhere. But at least I was trying. I don't know. I, I was obviously aware I was an over drinker. Even though I was never willing to admit that to myself, I was aware of it. But because everyone's around you doing the same thing, I mean, it's impossible to to point that out to yourself, isn't and it? And we try so desperately for so long because we don't want to face facts that we, that we have to give of up course. altogether. Yeah, classic <laughs> hiding behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, similar ones for me, Vic, you know, water... <laughs> timings, yeah. um, eating a meal, a full meal before I go out. That's definitely going to help when I drink a litre of vodka. 
Yeah. That's really going to help. Um, you know, also things like commitments. So, oh, I can't drink too much tonight. I've got work tomorrow morning or I've got to get up with the kids or I've got the kids. Nah, didn't matter. After no. I've had one or two drinks, I may as well have not been a mum. I yeah. may as well have not had a job. Nothing else mattered other than getting another drink into me. And that was just a feeling that got exacerbated the more that I drank. Why is it that those nights when you go out and you have really good intentions and you're like, right, I've got to work tomorrow, guys. I can only stay out for one drink. Why is it those are the nights that are the best nights? Oh, yeah. They're the nights that you're like, I've got to go, I've got to go, but I can't because I'm having so much fun. Like, at least you think you're having so much fun. But is that because you know you're not going to get up in the morning already? Like, do you sort of deep inside you know that you're never going to go to work tomorrow and you may as well just stay and have a... And it sort of feels like a rebellion because you know you're not going to work, so you may as well stay and have a good time anyway. You've dropped all the commitment that you made to yourself and you feel free, so you just keep drinking. Just keep going. And it happened so early on for me. You know, I didn't really get very far with that positive thinking that I was going to go home. You know, after two drinks, someone would say, oh, just leave the car here or Mm. don't worry about it, phoning's sick. And that was all... Yeah, all right. That was it, done. (laughs) (laughs) I just needed a, a mere hint of a whisper... Yeah. And I was I was fine to carry on drinking. It was that bloody pixie again, wasn't it's it? It's that bloody pixie. Stay out, yeah. and stay I, out yes, Lucy. I, I think he's got a brother. <laughs> no, <laughs> Because I've got a feeling his brother was on my shoulder for all those years, little yeah. bastard. Because yeah. it was like that. It was like an outside force was, yeah. um, was, was trying to get me onto a different path than the one I intended to stay on. I can remember once going out for afternoon drinks with some friends and I actually specifically put some food in the oven that had to come out an hour and a half later to make sure that I got... Because if I didn't get home, it would have burned and it could have set fire to the... I don't know what might have happened, but... That was the only way I knew I'd go home. But I think I may have gone home, turned off the oven and gone out again. So I was getting to the point of I was doing some quite ridiculous things to try and limit and moderate and put boundaries around my drinking... Mm. Like you, Vic, none of them were working. Looking back, I kind of thought I was making a dent in it, Mm. but I wasn't. Um, And another thing that I did as well was, um, you know, I used to go for quite a few health checks at the doctor. Um, And, you know, this is a big one for me to admit, actually, but I used to kind of hope there was something wrong with my liver. I hoped that the doctor would say, you know, you've done some damage, you've got to stop drinking. I think because I knew even then that I needed I needed a really big scare. Nothing was working. Um, so a moderation yeah. tactic for me was go and get my liver checked in the hope <laughs> that there was something wrong with it. Oh, that is just crazy when you think about it, isn't it? It's basically yeah. you, need, you need a doctor in a white coat to say to you, you stop drinking or you're going to die. Yeah. And that is the only way that you were going to listen. Mm. I wonder if you would have listened if he had said that or you would have been like, oh, he's just a crappy doctor. I'm going to go and see someone else. (laughs) I'm going to go and get another opinion. I'll go and get a drink first. No, but yeah, that was how I felt. And when I was told there was everything was okay, I have to admit that there was a slight sense of disappointment because my one hope of stopping yeah. had gone. Yeah. So that was one of my forms of trying to moderate by yeah. somebody telling me you've got to stop or slow down. I don't know why we were listening to a pixie, Lucy, because I've got some news for you. There are no such things as pixies. Oh, so, you only think that because you read children's books yeah, still. I think I'm living in a fairy tale, to be honest, like, <laughs> most of the time. But No, I've only just realised there are fix- pixies because there was one on my shoulder all of those years. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't burst my bubble. I'm going to blame this all on that pixie, yeah. you know, this whole 25 drinking business of mine. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't me, it was well, the pixie. I think the pixie we will eventually all find out is 
us. <laughs> Unfortunately, the pixie lives inside my brain. Let's have I've a look discovered. At your ears. Yeah, they yeah, are, they're a bit pointy. They are a little bit pointy. I'd yes. never noticed that before. Yes. And I do get very excitable around Christmas time. <laughs> We are the pixies, and thank God we don't drink anymore because we'd be a nightmare pixying around together. Yeah, we would. Thank God. If we'd met, if we'd met when we were pixies (laughs) (laughs) in our little pointy hats, there would have been trouble. There would have been trouble, a lot of trouble. (laughs) So the question is, Lucy, why? Why were we so crap at moderation? What do you think? Well, I guess it's just that feeling of wanting more and is, you know, is that an addiction? Is it because we want to numb out trauma or a bad day um, and one isn't enough to make us forget? Or is there something in our bodies that's like pushing us to keep on drinking? Um it's hard to know, but there are probably a few points. In fact, we put a few bits together earlier, some suggestions around this. And one of the things um, that keeps us wanting more and making us so crap at moderation is the environment that we're in. Yeah, so even going into a pub for me, the whole environment was exciting. For me, people around, people that I knew, mm-hmm. the barman pulling, you know, pulling a pint, all those things that, you know, I suppose it's like the paraphernalia of drinking is what was part of the fun and being around people that were drinking and the smell of soggy beer mats. Yeah, and, I was just going to say. Ashtrays, yeah. all of those things. Yeah, the smell of a pub, yeah. a, a good old English pub for yep. us because we both grew up in the UK and and were very um, entwined in pub culture, which is a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, God, that smell of mm. stale beer soaked into... Lovely. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, that really makes me fancy a drink. <laughs> and we may be laughing, but... Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, very nostalgic. So yeah, your environment. So if you're in an environment where you're used to drinking, it's re- and that's why we have to sometimes stay away from those environments whilst yeah. We're stopping, and because, we've talked about that, haven't we? About... Yeah, because those environments sort of egg you on. Like, they do, why, yeah. if I'm in that environment, why would I leave? Because I have some good sort of mental connotations with that environment. It's somewhere where I want to be. It's somewhere where I guess you feel loved where, mm. with everybody around you. There's a warm feeling. There might be a nice fire going. All of it is very endearing, isn't it? So, why would you want to leave? Why would you want to have one drink? Mm. But is there a chance that we could feel those feels? And just have that one drink or have no drinks. Like, that's what we're learning now, yeah. isn't it? Well we, we, well, we certainly couldn't. I mean, I could probably go into a pub. Well, I would go into a pub now and not have a drink. It wouldn't feel right because I spent too many years going into pubs and drinking. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where you have to sort of change where you go and things like that. So, environment... Feel the awkward and do it anyway for there, yes, for sure. That's yeah, it, exactly. And, yeah, so the other thing, of course, which makes it really difficult um, to moderate is our drinking culture. Yeah, so drinking culture, I mean, you're surrounded by people that are heavily boozing, so you don't want to look like the odd one out. They're not having one drink, why should you? Mm. Yeah, So that's hard to get out of. And, and, you know, we're taught that to socialise you need to drink. It's all on the TV adverts, there's big bottle shops everywhere. So drinking culture makes it really, really difficult. There's also things like family traits and habits. That's one for you, Vic. Yeah, so maybe, you know, there is such a thing as it being hereditary. There is probably an aspect of that for some people. Mm. I do believe that in some parts. And also growing up around heavy drinkers, I mean... 
you know, people that don't moderate, then you're always going to learn from your peers. So I get, I definitely, I definitely was around people who, who overdrank a lot. So yeah, I definitely feel that that was the reason why I couldn't moderate. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And for me, the other way was I, I grew up um, in a family of pretty much non-drinkers. And <laughs> so I don't, there's not necessarily a correlation is there around no. that. So yeah, you can't always put it on that. So these, these are just points that could have a play a part they could in, be in why you're struggling to yeah. moderate. There's also trauma. Yeah, so maybe one isn't enough to numb out any pain that you're feeling or, or any self-awareness or something from the past. So one will probably get you going a little bit and start making you feel better if you're feeling a bit down about something or you do have a void within you. But, you know, two is definitely going to get rid of that void and then three and four and five, you know, you're in a blackout and you don't have to think about all those awful things that you were thinking about before. So definitely there's something there to do with trauma and using alcohol to numb something out. Yeah, and the, and the ironic thing is so often we use we drink alcohol to make ourselves feel happy. I mean, I know that um, I've suffered with depression for a long time and, you know, I've never felt as good as I have when I've stopped drinking and I thought that alcohol was the thing that was helping me through. The ironic thing is, and also I'm reading in this Alcohol Explained book that I've got in front of me, <laughs> it's a book of the week yeah. um, by William Porter, you know, that it does make you feel more depressed and so you think you're drinking to feel better, to get rid of your depression and your trauma, but it's going to do nothing but make you feel worse yeah that's fascinating isn't yeah it? so after a couple of drinks you actually feel worse which is why you have to carry on drinking gosh that makes sense yeah, yeah. totally makes sense doesn't yeah. it and can i just say again how weird that i was reading it last night in bed and just before this podcast okay and what about um there's well yeah we've got a, a little bit on this actually we want to talk about the physical addiction um, yes yeah, so we want to take some of the blame off yeah, of us yeah take the blame off us <laughs> nothing to do with us it's where we were born um my sister louise Shout out to Louise. She's 20 years sober. She got sober through AA. She was a very similar drinker to me, a binge drinker. And she went to AA 20 years ago. She's now, I think it's, I think it's like 22 years. Um, I actually phoned her this week to ask her opinion on moderation. And she told me uh, about a chapter of the AA big book, which is called The Doctor's Opinion. Um, and this is, I'm going to read you what she said. Um, so this is my sister Louise. Once you take that first drink, you set up a craving that is impossible to resist. They talk about it being an allergy and that it really makes sense to me. The penny dropped and this realisation that if an alcoholic was a person who once who once take a drink, sets up a craving and can't stop, then that's me. That's what goes on in my body every time I take a drink. It doesn't mean I'm lying in the gutter drinking a bottle of vodka it's just when I take that first drink, there's a physical change that I become powerless over alcohol. It's that simple. It also helped me to have some compassion for myself to realise that I am one of those people who has an adverse reaction to alcohol. You either do or you don't. You can either drink in moderation or you can't. And that's it. So that comes from doctor's opinion. So what Louise says is that it made her realise that it definitely is the first drink that does the damage. If you don't pick up that first drink, you can't get drunk. It's that simple. It also made her realise that the word alcoholic, as it is understood before, with all its judgments and stereotypical imagery and associations, was merely in fact a description of a person who has an allergic reaction to that first drink, rendering them powerless over alcohol. After hearing this explanation, my sister realised that she perhaps sat on that alcohol spectrum and she stood up in her first AA class and said, I'm Louise and I'm an alcoholic. 
And that was 22 years ago. Go Louise. Go Louise, yeah. yeah. A little shout out for yeah. Louise. Amazing, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So that really, that makes me wonder if the definition of a, the definition of an alcoholic is actually someone that can't moderate. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and, and so, like she said there, some people are able to have one drink and leave it at that and some people just aren't. Yeah. Is it really as simple as that? Yeah, what, is there a, a physiological component to this as well? Mm. And what we were talking about earlier is that, you know, it does take a, a, a sense of blame away because it you, does, yeah. you feel like a failure when you, you try to do something and then you fail at it. You're trying to moderate and you can't. So therefore you are going to feel a sense of failure and that probably kicks in with that a hangover anxiety, that sense of, of gosh, does, I only went yeah. out for one drink and look at the bloody state I you know ended up with a Savaloy in my top pocket yeah so and and it is it's like a, a sense of self-loathing mm. you know hate and all of this brings you to drink more because you do feel like a failure so I you know I've I've, I've done a couple of AAs it, it didn't actually for, for me AA wasn't what got me through to, to sobriety but I did um I did like that what Lou said because I think it really helps us to understand that, you know, it, it, we were almost trying to do the impossible. Yeah. We weren't built like that. We weren't built to be able to to have one drink and stop. And, yeah, just talking about failure, it's, it's always accompanied by a variety of emotions, things like embarrassment, anxiety, anger, sadness and shame. And those feelings, you know, they're so uncomfortable and many people will do anything they can to escape that emotional turmoil, we pick up a drink and we try again because we just can't imagine life without alcohol and we don't want to have to face the fact that we're failing so mm. much in this thing that we're so desperate to do. Yeah. And what was my one wish of all time? I just couldn't get it. And yeah. I tried and I tried. I'm one of those people who, if I want something, I try bloody hard to get it and I usually will. It's that funny that you can be so successful in so many areas of your life. Yeah. But that one thing, there's definitely got to be a physical logical thing behind it as well because there's that one thing you can be a you know a really functional human but there's this one thing you cannot control Mm. and funnily and even even a functioning alcoholic or a functioning heavy drinker I mean I was definitely a high functioning drinker I was able to to work build a business be a mum all of this stuff you know that's quite a feat Mm. Yeah, I couldn't stop after one or two drinks. It, yeah. was, I, it was just impossible. And so hearing that from Louise, I think it, it helps me yeah. to understand. Yeah. I wish I'd heard it earlier. Yeah, I, I think, think it's a variety of components though, isn't it? It is yes. that and it is many other things. It might not be that for you. It might be that for someone else. And it's, you know, it, it's it's a variety. It's like a pie chart of, you know, tiny little, little triangles, of, yeah. little environment, culture, all of these things added together that make you into an over drinker. And I do think all of these things have, have you know, there's a reason behind them. And yeah. it's well, interesting. Actually, um, in 2017, there was a study published in the Journal of Behavioural Decision Making, a little bit more research done oh, here. Yes. We were, we're on fire, it's aren't like we? are out again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it says you shouldn't feel bad after failure. Now, that's quite hard. Uh, but researchers discovered that thinking about your emotions rather than the failure itself is more helpful. So, I mean, that sort of is something that we, looking back, did use. We didn't realise at the time, but all our failed attempts at moderation were actually all piling up. Yeah, and, we didn't. And giving us some strength to give up eventually. Yeah. Allowing yourself to feel bad is actually motivating. I mean, it is, I couldn't yeah. I didn't know that at the time. No. <laughs> it can help you work harder to find better solutions so that you'll improve next time. So each failed attempt is working towards something better. Mm. That's what it's saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that 
I would would have done anything for somebody to to be listening to a podcast with someone saying that to me yeah. 15 years ago. Were there podcast podcasts around 15 years ago? No, it was just the radio, Radio it 4. It was the radio. Well, couldn't yeah. someone have told us? Terry Wogan. <laughs> That probably Where's Terry mean, Wogan when you need that, him? That might not mean a lot to me. No, sorry, it's a very English reference there. I, I feel you're making too Bert, many English references. Bert, yeah, sorry, there's a, I'm English, what can I do? Sorry, Aussies. <laughs> Kangaroos. <laughs> that make up wallabies? Yeah, wallabies. There you like go. Um, <laughs> anyway, the fact is, each as much as we didn't realise at the time, each failure was actually motivating us to get sober, um, unbeknown to us. Yeah. Um, and so let's just talk a little bit about that. Do you want to just tell us how that was happening for you? So I think I was pretending to moderate. So I didn't really take note of my failure, but I knew I was failing. It's a funny thing. Mm. Um, my attempts at moderation were an excuse to not totally give up drinking is what I realise now, because I couldn't yeah. see out of that drinking bubble. I couldn't see a life for me without being that social butterfly, without being sort of inebriated in every social situation I've ever been in. So moderation for me... Um, even though it was probably motivating me to get sober every failure, I never clocked onto it. So I just used it as a way of people saying, look, you're not an alcoholic, you're just a fun time girl. Mm. So it all got sort of messed up in, in in my failures. Was was It was just a very hard thing to show people because I was, I was pretending. It was, a, it was a fake persona. I had a, a smile plastered across my face with one glass knowing that I was going to get totally wasted. Little so finger out. Little finger out and yeah. Pixie on the shoulder. Yeah, big <laughs> grin on my face, pretending to do well and then the same person that was going, oh, isn't she Isn't she a moderate drinker? Look at her, she's having one glass. That is the same person that was holding my ponytail at the end of the night as I vomited <laughs> into the toilet. So I never kept up my persona for very long. Mm. Um, but I guess all of those moments were what, brought me to this point now which is interesting isn't it pretending to moderate while I knew I couldn't but in the back of my mind probably at least I was trying you were trying and and a really genuine attempt it's only looking back that you can say just they were genuine for about five minutes (laughs) but there was there is that good intention that's why it's so crazy that it goes so wrong so yes I'm gonna do well (laughs) I'll be on the bus going out go I'm gonna do so well tonight I'm gonna drink well Mm. I'm gonna be so you know just have one and then everyone I'll remember everything and then I'll just pop on the bus on the way home but it wouldn't I'd be at an after party you know rolling around in a bush so it just never happened it seems to almost be a correlation about how if you if your intentions were ultra strong yeah. <laughs> then you would make an ultra mess of the night yeah however hard you tried with your intention the more wrong the night would go yeah it's true <laughs> it would wouldn't it yeah. yeah I think you've put so much thought and effort into it I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this that you have an epic fail but yeah I mean for me I was motivated by um all of my attempts to moderate um more and more as time went by I guess that you know I was trying to moderate when I was all the way back there in my 20s, I was trying to moderate. Yeah. But then when I woke up and I... When you were hungover. <laughs> They're the best moderations. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm not drinking yeah. today. No, yeah. Well, I'm at least not drinking for the next two hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hold on, it might make me feel better. Yeah, what do you say? Got a can of Red Stripe, I'm in. 
<laughs> hair of the dog. I mean, hair of the dog was. Ter- Maybe yeah. we should do a podcast about that because. Yeah. Oh God, that was the only thing that got me through. Sometimes, what a terrible thing that was. But yeah, I mean, in your twenties, when you haven't got kids and you haven't got that much of an important job, you know, you can you can get away with not going into work or just going to work and just like hanging at, the, at your desk doing nothing. Yeah. When you get older, it's not a good look anymore. Maybe people didn't work. do that though, Lucy. Maybe it was just you and yeah, I that did that. It probably was. Probably had people had quite functional lives in their 20s compared to us whereas they were probably learning and educating themselves and furthering their lives yeah I was just watching countdown in bed with a terrible hangover or organizing to go out so yeah or making sure you got out before the bottle shop closed (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah so actually yeah there are people out there that probably had very successful 20s and 30s where they weren't (laughs) drinking like we were yeah as we've worked out our lives were just a complete act yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, for me as well, each one was getting worse. Um, each attempt and each failure was making me feel worse and worse. And as you have kids and a family and you've got a job that you have to get, you know, you, you've got responsibilities, financial responsibilities and responsibilities to your kids. And these failures, um, which may be just the same as the failures of 10 years before, they just seem so much worse. I mean, I, I know my anxiety definitely got worse further along I went with my drinking, but also my children who are now teenagers were becoming more aware. So that that epic fail at moderation was um, was emphasised by the fact that they knew you know all about it they've seen seen me be drunk and that was something that I really hated so yeah I mean um as time went by and each failure um (laughs) hit blow by blow yeah um they were getting worse and worse yeah so yeah that anxiety the same as me I mean it's amazing how long you can ignore that for and blame it on other things but that really is your body crying out for help like to say like moderation is failing my body was you know was screaming at me from within to 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 stop moderating, I guess, mm. because moderating wasn't working. So therefore I was causing myself to have massive anxiety. So now we've looked at the reasons why moderation doesn't really work and how really it is that first drink that sets off the craving for more. Now perhaps we can try and understand why attempting moderation and failing at it isn't actually a total waste of time. It can motivate us and it is a hugely important important part of this sober journey i think lucy and i um, struggled Uh, our struggle was to moderate are really the reasons why we got sober Mm. yeah they are absolutely because um if we hadn't had that many failures and that many disasters and that many times that we sort of you hate yourself in the morning you would just carry on drinking but really looking back we needed to have those those struggles to say enough is enough and i think for me one of those moments of of i'm really over this is that <laughs> and this really resonates with what you just read out from Louise is that I realised that I was trying to achieve the impossible. Mm. I, I was not capable of moderation. And what Louise, um, the quote that Louise gave you to read out today is actually saying that some of us are physically not capable of it. I didn't realise that. Mm. Had I known that earlier, it might have been a different story. Uh, but I, I just couldn't do it and I tried and tried. And just another thing as well that I think is quite relevant here is that I actually stopped for three months, probably about two years ago now. And it was the longest I'd stopped drinking ever, other than when I was pregnant. And um, 
So after the three months, I had very good intentions, I'm sure you can imagine, of going back and being a moderate drinker. I thought three months of not drinking, I'll go back into it and, you know, I'm going to be this drinker I've always dreamed about. Finally, my dream's going to come true. Yeah. Oh, man, did that not happen. You know, mm. I, I just went back into drinking with exactly the same vigour and enthusiasm um, that I left it. And I actually found it much harder to be in that time when I'm moderating my drinking. It was just so much easier just to have given up altogether. There was just a clear line. Mm. I knew where I stood. And I realised that during those three months, my head had been free of thinking about drinking and that constant monotonous boring nagging mm. um preoccupation yeah that you get onto about drinking had gone and as soon as I finished that three months I was back on it and I realized that that moderation was a problem it wasn't working and it was exhausting to try and fail what you made me realize there Lucy as you're talking is that I think maybe moderation because if you'd given yourself over to drink like you said you were trying to moderate because it was either one thing or the other so maybe moderation is actually what saved you because what you're saying is if you hadn't tried to moderate, it was the only other option was to completely give yourself over to alcohol, which meant you would have gone down a really, really quick spiral. So moderation is perhaps what has saved you and brought you out yeah. of that spiral and inspired you to to take care of yourself. So there is an element there of you saying, I was taking care of myself. I'm trying to moderate, so therefore I care about myself. Yes, exactly. So that's fascinating really because... That is what has drawn you out from just going, right, I'm just going to get drunk. Mm. I'm just going to get, every time I go out, I'm just going to drink and I'm going to get drunk because I never thought that mm. because I knew somewhere deep inside that wasn't the right thing to do, to go out and just get absolutely plastered. I always thought I'll just have a few and I'll try and be good. But really that is our body and our minds and something telling us, not the naughty pixie, yeah. you care about yourself Some, and you yeah. are worthy of not getting totally mm. drunk. So, yeah, there is some, a niggling feeling there, isn't there, yeah. of, of we do care about ourselves some way, even though we felt like we probably didn't at the time, we do care about how we yeah. are. Yeah. And it was that little thing that pulled us back and eventually yeah. led to sobriety. Yeah, I mean, failing at moderation, for me, convinced me I had a problem. So it's, it's that same yeah, thing of, yeah. of me repeating the same old patterns, oh, yeah. getting drunk, even though I was trying not to. It convinced me in the end that I had a problem with alcohol. Being rubbish at moderating forced what me was, to seek professional what was that help. great quote that you had? Um, the uh, Einstein uh, one. Was it the one? Yeah, the de what the definition of madness is just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Something like that anyway. Yeah. Is that Einstein? I think I, it's Einstein, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's what we were doing. The same thing over and over and over again and that was is it Neil Armstrong madness. <laughs> Neil Armstrong no, oh, I watched a brilliant movie about yeah, yeah. Neil Armstrong yeah, last night good. yeah it's good yeah it's interesting <laughs> I have watched that yeah um, so yeah basically failing at moderation is what leads you to seek professional help which is always our message on this podcast is, mm. is if your body is screaming out like that if you're yeah. failing at moderation it means you need help it means you need someone to step in and help you with the problem that you can't solve yourself yeah yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I really hope that people listening are thinking, okay, you know, I, I can't moderate, I keep trying, I can't do it. Then You might feel like a, a failure, but this could be the beginning of your journey to sobriety. So maybe yeah. have a think about that and, and maybe be kinder to yourself, like we were, obviously, at one point looking back because we tried so hard to moderate and that led us to sobriety. 
be kind to yourself and recognise that maybe, just maybe, you weren't built to moderate. You weren't mm. built for one or two drinks. And the only way that you can do this is by giving up altogether. And yeah. that's actually an OK thing, isn't it, Vic? Yeah, it is. It's the best thing. I mean, it's the best thing that we've both done. And admitting that we can't moderate is is what's led us down this path, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, we couldn't have done that. It's no, a really, couldn't have done really it. crucial, crucial point. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, crucial. I can't moderate, so I'm going to stop. Yeah. Simple as. Yeah. And that's the only way forward for a lot of us. Yeah, and we've talked about here a lot of these, you know, the science facts, all of, all of these reasons why, environment, culture and everything. But really... What it comes down to is you taking responsibility for yourself and you reaching out for help. And, and no matter what science or otherwise, it has to be your choice to stop. And yeah, I think, you know, we blamed ourselves. We blame all these things. Mm. But actually, it's always going to come back down to you. It is. Yeah. And so and you are the only one that can solve your problems. Like I found out that, I, you know, I was blaming everything around me. I was like, oh, if I go into a pub, I'm going to have to drink. If I do this, I'm going to yeah. have to drink. Really, it was my responsibility. And only when I took responsibility for my drinking was I able to stop. Yeah, it's like everything in life, isn't it? You've got to take responsibility yeah. for the, your part in it. And until yeah. you do that, you can't actually make change. I'm not taking responsibility for that packet of biscuits last night, though. Are you not? Well, no. you've got to. I'm no, sorry. I'm still saying the kids ate them. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got, a few, yeah, we've got a few tips and takeaways from our As podcast we always today. Yeah. do. We yeah. like our little roundup, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. So I think I'll start, shall I, Lucy? Yeah, go for it. Don't beat yourself up about failing at moderation. It's all part of the process of becoming sober. And all those emotions you're dealing with when you do fail at moderation are really there to motivate you into making some changes. So listen to the feelings and try to learn from them. Remember, according to AA, there is a physical element to alcoholism too. So don't be too hard on yourself. Your brain is designed to want more after that first drink. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to make the changes. And if you're struggling with moderation, it might mean you have a problem with booze. Then the best advice we can give you is to seek support. Find someone that can help you uncover all the reasons, be them physical or mental or anything else, as to why alcohol is no longer working for you. You know what I'm going to say now, don't you, Lucy? <laughs> Go on. The only way to stop the cravings for more is to not have one. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. If it really is that first drink that does the damage, then the only way to stop failing is to stop drinking completely. Oh. Uh, it's disappointing, Boo. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to stop listening Yeah, sorry. Now. Yeah, sorry, people. <laughs> That's always going to be what we say. We're never going to say anything different. I'm sure I can speak for Lucy and I when I say we both wish we'd acted sooner and not wasted yeah. so much time trying to moderate and so much time failing in moderation. Trying to achieve the impossible couple of quiet night drinks out meant we just felt like failures for many years. We really, we really did, yeah. We chose to ignore the obvious signs that we had a problem with booze because we wanted to fit into our environments and modern day drinking culture and we daydreamed of being normal drinkers and just normal in general. Yeah. <laughs> we never quite got there with that last no, bit, did we? no. 
we wasted so many years and many tears wondering why we weren't like everyone else when we could have been enjoying the amazing sober lives we have now. And we really do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I, I sort of sound like I'm preaching a bit there. That's all right. We can preach a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're happier. I mean, yeah, do have we don't want to make people feel like we're depressed after giving up drinking because we're no. certainly not. No, life is way better. Yeah, so, so don't keep failing. Listen to your body and be kind to yourself. Stop moderating if it isn't working and spend that time reading up about sobriety instead. I heard a nice quote today. Oh, go on. You do like your quote. Oh, I love a little bit of a quote. <laughs> Sometimes the bad things that happen in our lives put us directly on the path to the best things that will ever happen to us. So you never know. Not having that one drink might be the best decision you ever make. Yay, Yay, definitely yeah. the best decision. Well, we're going to start a little book recommendation Ooh, yeah, yeah, at the yeah. end because we've, we, me and Lucy are big readers and even though I never have time to read, I, I do try to when I can. Um, I chatted to the lovely um, Lotta Dan this week. Um, she's going to come on the podcast at some point. She knows a lot about moderation. Her book, The Wine O'Clock Myth, is a really good book, The Truth About Women and Alcohol. So we're going to recommend that today. And she also wrote a book called Mrs. D is Going Without, which is a memoir about being a boozy housewife and and now not being one. So, yeah, she's from New Zealand. And we think we're probably going to have some guests on in the next series of Sober Awkward. So me and Lucy will be right trying to round up some some good people for you to hear from. Yeah, and I'm just going to add on to that book. I know I mentioned it earlier, but The Alcohol Explained book by William Porter really great book if you just want to understand the effects that alcohol has on your body and mind and if if that's you know everybody needs to hear different things when they're giving up drinking um, and this is a really good book if you want to scare yourself into stopping because yeah. you find out the truth about what alcohol is doing to you and I, I'm halfway through it now and love yeah. it yeah I mean, there's so many good books out there, so many books that we can recommend and we'll definitely be doing one every time we record a show. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. That was really fascinating, Lucy. I really love hearing about all the science and all of those things behind behind why we are massive booze bags. <laughs> <laughs> and I know what will happen because it always happens. I'm driving home and think, oh, I wish I'd said this. I wish I'd yeah. said that. Oh, Dan, that was really important. Thing I think I you've said enough. Out. Oh, well, thanks very much. <laughs> Oh, I think we better go and check on Alan actually, because I think he's gone into the into the bathroom on his own. He's probably in a sulk. Yeah, we've had, he's probably got hail damage. I mean, we've probably got hail damage on our cars. You don't see us whinging. Oi, Alan, how's the car? Fuck. <laughs> God, <I> love him. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time for you to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist, or connect with a local AA or sobriety group. In fact, Vicky's got a really great one. Yeah, it's the Sober Social for Sober Curious Women. You can just search for that on Facebook. Lucy and I will both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, then you can too. For more support around sobriety, head to my website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstalkmums.com.au. Finally, if you've loved the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, give a review and share it with your mates. But don't worry, we won't be angry if you don't. I might be a bit angry, Lucy. Can't say that. They won't mind. No, it's just rude.